Believe it or not. The Baker's Broadcast, presented in behalf of the 30,000 bakers in the United States and Canada, with Ozzie Nelson and his orchestra, and, believe it or not, Robert Ripley. Ozzie Nelson, we're greeting you with a medley of Top Hat and No Strings, two of the very danceable tunes from Top Hat. years in 181 different countries. He has collected facts in their strangest, most remarkable form. Tonight, he again tells you just how amazing truth can be. Believe it or not, Robert Ripley. <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Hello, Bob. Last week, you were telling us about the wonders of the world, yes. but you forgot to tell about the greatest wonder of all. What do you mean, the greatest wonder? The lady. Tell me, what country has the prettiest women? Oh, that's a hard question, Ozzy. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In Ethiopia, for instance, beauty is measured by weight. And the highest compliment an Ethiopian can pay his wife is to tell her that she's as majestic and graceful as an elephant. Well, would you suggest that I pay that compliment to Harriet? Oh, no, I should say not. No, would I suggest a Chinese term of endearment? You know, the Chinaman calls his wife a little pig for a pet name. In the country of Yemen, the head of the house calls his girlfriend, my darling onion. And in Brittany, a wife is referred to as a herring. In, in South America, the term is slightly more vegetarian. There, a pretty girl is called mi patata dulce. Meaning what, Bob? My little sweet potato. <laughs> and in the Bavarian Alps, the favorite word of endearment 
Sonntags free Morgen Kirchen Glockenschall. Now that's one word which means the sound of church bells on an early Sunday morning. And so you see, everyone has his own ideas. So it seems. Come on, Bob. What else about the lady? <laughs> well, in the Celebes in the South Seas, a woman is not allowed to be married while she's conscious. The bridegroom hits her over the head, and the ceremony is performed before she comes to. <laughs> and apparently, Bob, that custom isn't limited just to the Celebes. <laughs> sure enough. Believe it or not, in Barneo, a single girl is kept up a tree and allowed only to come down once a day until she's married. In the Dutch Guianis, a wife must wear a bell around her neck so her husband will know where she is at all times of the day. I suppose friend-husband calls her my little cow, eh? <laughs> On the island of Timorlao, women are only allowed to keep one eye open in the presence of a man. If she opens both eyes, she's punished by having her hair bobbed. And bobbed hair is a disgrace in Timor. And uh, as I said before, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, for example... Let me draw you a radio sketch showing just what I mean. Here, this took place just six years ago in the French town of Aix-les-Bains. Two shop girls were talking behind the counter of a candy store. Yvonne, Yvonne, I am so unhappy. What's the matter, Andre? The manager, he say I am so plain. Yes, he say all the other girls in the shop are so pretty and I, I, I should go and have my face changed. <laughs> oh, Oh, Andre, don't cry. Andre, didn't I tell you? What? Go to a beauty shop. Oh, really, Andre, you're not so plain as you think. If you'd only give some attention to yourself. Your hair, for instance. But, Yvonne, I am too old. I am 31. Too old. Oh, nonsense. Andre, I am going to telephone the hairdresser but at if, once. But, Yvonne... But, but nothing. We will show that manager... Andre Caron went to the hairdresser. But it was a far different Andre Caron who came back to the candy store. Andre, Andre, I hardly know you. Why, Andre, you're, you're beautiful. Yvonne, you, you mean it. Andre, I've never seen such a change. You're lovely. See what a hairdresser can do for you? Wait, I'll get the manager. He should see how you look now. No, no, let us not disturb him. See, he is talking to someone. Yes. To such a distinguished-looking man. Ooh, look what sparkling diamonds he's wearing. Quiet, Andre. We listen to what they are saying. But, monsieur, I saw her once come out from the hairdresser, and I followed her all the way here. Ah, oh, what a charming creature. Such grace, such beautiful raven hair. Beautiful raven hair, but there is no such girl in the store. Look, there she is. I knew she came in here. No, it cannot be. Mademoiselle Carol. Oui, Introduce me to her at once. Andre, come here. I am coming, monsieur. What? What have you done to yourself? If you please, monsieur Duval, I would rather speak to mademoiselle alone. Certainly. May I assist you, monsieur? Some chocolates, perhaps. Oh, you talk to me of chocolates, mademoiselle, but I am... I love you. Monsieur, there must be some mistake. Mistake, indeed. A mistake that I have not met you sooner. Please, monsieur, I, I beg of you to... to... Are you married? I'm married, I should say not. You have a sweetheart? Monsieur, please. This is highly defense to be asking such questions. Yes make... or no, you have a sweetheart? No, I have no sweetheart. Excellent. I do not see anything excellent about that. Oh, mademoiselle, believe me, for years I have sought such a girl as you. I ask you to honor me to... Monsieur, please, please, do not make fun of me. Tell me, what is it you wish? I wish, mademoiselle, that you will be my wife. Your... your wife? 
Oh, but monsieur, I, I, I do not even know your name. My name? Oh, yes. Uh, forgive me. I am Sultan Sir Aga Mohammed Khan. Sir Aga Khan? Oh, mademoiselle, you make me the happiest man in the world. Mademoiselle Andre, here, you will take it, please, this gift. Buy with it whatever you wish. But, monsieur, five million francs. Five million? Oh, whatever it is, it's too little for you. This is the luckiest day in my whole life. That is what a Marcel Wave did for Andre Carras. The shop girl found her prince charming in none other than one of the richest men in all the world, the Aga Khan. Gee, Bob, what a lucky break that was for Andre Carras. It surely was, Ozzie. But it doesn't always work out that way. What do you mean? Well, now listen while I tell you about another true incident. 388 years ago in Geneva, Switzerland, Jacqueline Moman, a wig maker, was arrested and charged with felony. Her trial aroused the rapid attention of the entire populace. And here is a picture of what happened. The preliminaries of the trial are over, and Justice Sermon is listening to the testimony of the watchman who had arrested the woman. Proceed, watchman. It was about eight o'clock at night, Your Worship, when I passed the establishment of the prisoner. The window blinds were drawn, so I approached the window and gazed through a crack in the blind. And what did you see? A terrible sight, Excellency. I saw the defendant, Madame Moma, with a hot iron in her hand. Order! Then, watchman. I broke into the house and arrested Madame Moma. But the other woman? Oh, alas, Excellency, she escaped. And you say this woman, Madame Moma, has confessed her guilt to you? <laughs> She could do nothing else, Excellency. I saw her with my own eyes. Bring the prisoner before the bar. Jacqueline, Mama, you have heard the testimony. I give you one last chance. Who was the other woman? I refuse to tell her name. She has done nothing. I haven't done a thing. You have committed a crime in the eyes of God and man. But, Excellency... Too long has the law been planted in this city with fire and sword... We shall free Geneva of your kind. But, Excellency, I am innocent. You have found committing a deliberate crime. I see no purpose in prolonging this trial. The court will rise. Thou, Jacqueline Moma, hast offended God and his orders. I direct that thy body will be committed to the flames, thus ending thy mortal days. I also direct that the instruments of your crime, to wit, one iron and a lamp of oil, also be committed to the flames at Champel. Champel? No, Excellency, no, not Champel. And may God have mercy on your soul. And so a few days later occurred the horrible execution of Jacqueline Moman. The oil-soaked wood was stacked about her and a flaming torch thrust into it. Instantly, the woman was surrounded by a sheet of blinding fire. As the flames leaped higher and higher, drowning the screams of the dying woman and the cries of the populace, a stranger approached the guard. Citizen, what does this mean? What goes on here? A criminal is burning for her crescents. But what has she done? Tell me, what has she done? See, the flames are licking about her hair. Oh. Burn, devil, burn. Horrible. Burn. Stop it! Stop She'll it! She'll burn in hotter fires yet. It is the law of God. But what has the woman done? What was the crime? Murder? Murder? No. That woman, Madame Moman, was found curling another woman's hair. And that's exactly what happened. 
burned at the stake for the crime of curling a woman's hair. You see, Ozzy, history doesn't always repeat itself. Because of a hair wave, Andre Caron, the shop girl, became the wife of the Aga Khan, whose income is one million dollars a week. And because of another hair wave, Madame Oman was burned at the stake. And I nominate for the patron saint of hairdressers, Jacqueline Moman, a martyr to my lady's beauty, believe it or not. <laughs> You don't think I'm too fresh You're so delish A dainty dish An angel in the flesh Oh, I don't know your name But you're sparkable Remarkable Mighty fine If you think that I'm a sap Here's a cheek that you can slap You can call a cop But I won't stop Till you fall in my lap Here I go overboard for you Throw out your line I don't know your name But you're beautiful Oh, beautiful Be mine like a piece of chocolate layer cake. Oh, well, that seems to make it unanimous. And this month is an ideal time to satisfy your liking for fine chocolate layer cake. Bakers are making a special feature of it all during November. In fact, they've made chocolate layer cake the cake of the month. They'll make it so often you can always get it and always get it fresh. And they offer it to you for less than it would cost you to bake it at home. And what chocolate layer cake bakers are making nowadays? They follow a famous recipe, one that calls for plenty of butter, eggs, and chocolate. The chocolate cake itself is tender and rich and fine in texture, and the icing and filling are smooth and delicious. If you'll try just once some of this delicious chocolate layer cake, you'll agree it's as fine as any you've ever tasted. Get one of these chocolate layer cakes. See how much your family enjoys it. And then remember to have chocolate layer cake often while bakers are featuring it as 
a special cake of the month, all during November. are the most amazing, believe it or not. The most amazing, believe it or not, are men and women themselves, human beings who have become successful in spite of tremendous physical handicaps. There's one you'd be particularly interested in. He was a musician. Who's that, Bob? Beethoven. He wrote his Ninth Symphony, considered the greatest piece of music of its kind, when he was totally dead. And there's William McPherson out in Kansas City, who lost his arms and his eyes in an explosion... Yet he reads with his tongue. He reads books in Braille, the raised letters of the blind. That's amazing, Bob. And imagine, Ozzy, a man who is a wonderful pianist, although he has no arms. Or a man who can talk in spite of the fact he has no vocal cords. Or a tap dancer, one of the best in his profession, although he has only one leg. I can't believe it. Well, I thought maybe you wouldn't. That's why I brought the last three with me tonight. First, I'd like you to meet Mr. Gino Palmasano, the armless pianist. How do you do, Mr. Palmasano? Good evening, Mr. Nelson. Won't you tell us about yourself, how you learned to play the piano without arms? Perhaps uh, my friend, Mr. Ripley, will do that. Oh, I'd be glad to. Uh, as a child, uh, this armless boy had a great desire to play the piano. His family and friends said it was impossible. But for 14 weary years, Gino persisted. Without arms, without instructions, without help of any kind... He succeeded. He plays the piano crouched over the keyboard 
using his elbows as other pianists use their fingers. Now listen while Gino Palmasano plays part of Paderewski's minuet with his elbows. All right, Gino. I'd never believe that if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Mr. Palmasano has given several concerts in Italy, but that is only one of his uh, many achievements. This armless man who laughs at fate is a practicing lawyer, a promising painter, a writer, and a composer, believe it or not. And now, Ozzy, let me introduce another man who has overcome tremendous obstacles. Four and a half years ago, this man underwent an operation for the removal of his vocal cords. Through the skill of the late Dr. McEntee, and through his own patience, this man, who prefers to remain anonymous, can now speak. Speak without vocal cords? Yes. He used an artificial larynx. Now listen. Yes, Mr. Nelson. I speak by means of this instrument. It connects at one end of my windpipe below my throat, which I do not use at all. As you can see, the other end fits very comfortably into my mouth. Was it hard to learn to talk again? Well, I had considerable difficulty in asking certain sounds. About the easiest and first word I said with my new voice was damn. <laughs> but I have a great deal to be thankful for. Without this operation, I would have been dead within a year. On behalf of the medical profession, let me issue a warning. If any of you listening in have been suffering with hoarseness or irritated throat for three weeks or more, see your doctor at once. If anyone thinks I can be a son of to him, I shall be happy to try. Just write to Mr. Ripley, and he will forward my any sincere inquiries to me. Thank you very much. Speaking without a voice is certainly a real believe it or not. To say it is. And now, Bob, who is your third guest? Well, uh, his nickname is self-explanatory, Ozzy. Here he is, Mr. Clayton Bates, better known as Pegleg. Hiya, Pegleg. How do, Mr. Nelson? <laughs> When, uh, when Mr. Bates was a little boy down in Greenville, South Carolina, he was in an automobile accident. How old were you then, Pegleg? That was back in 1918 when I was 12 years old. Well, supposing you tell us about it. Well, before I lost my leg, I used to dance. Another little boy and me. We used to dance all the time and win prizes. Any particular kind of dancing? Uh, down home, we call it buck and wing sand dancing. That means dancing on the ground in your bare feet. Then I lost my leg, and this other boy, he won all the prizes. I felt bad about that. Well, what did you do? 
Well, I still want to dance, so I got my uncle to make me a wooden peg. The hardest thing in learning then was to get the beat on the good leg to match the beat on the wooden peg. That took plenty of willpower, but I finally got it. Well, let's see how you did it. All right, play the music. There's no shoe on the peg. No, sir. Say, by the way, whatever happened to that other little boy? You know, the one you used to dance with? Is he still dancing, too? Uh, well, no. He's down in Philadelphia. Shining shoes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
why so many people feel tired when they shouldn't, why they get weary and listless about 11 in the morning and 4 in the afternoon. Many of these people simply are not eating the right kind of food. They're not eating foods that give sustained energy. Many of them need to eat more bread. This is one of the surprising facts that science has discovered during these last three years. Research has shown that bread keeps you going because it's an energy food. It's almost completely digested and turned into a steady flow of energy. Hour after hour, it gives you the energy you need to play or work hard. When you eat bread with one meal, it helps to carry you through to the next. Helps you avoid that weak, hollow feeling at 11 or 4. In this and many other ways, bread gives you more for your money than any other prepared food you can buy. So eat several slices of bread with every meal. Use more bread as an ingredient in your cooking. It's good for you to eat more bread. It's helpful and it saves you money. Well, Ozzie, they tell me you're quite a golfer. Can you drive a golf ball two miles uphill? Two miles? Yes. I've made some pretty good drives, Bob, but not even Bobby Jones could drive a ball two miles uphill. Oh, yes, he could, and so can you. Anybody can. Why, I've done it myself. How, off the top of a mountain? No, I said uphill. Now, this is no play on words. I mean it, a single drive, striking the ball but once, using regulation ball and club, unaided by anything... You can drive a golf ball two miles uphill, believe it or not. I don't believe it. All right, then. Next Sunday, I'll prove it to you. And now, let me say, as the Scotsmen say, as they gather in the gloaming around the 19th hole at the Royal and Ancient St. Andrews, Lang may your lum reach, which means long may your chimney smoke. This is the National Broadcasting Company.